We're continuing our celebration of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And so we're looking at five great themes that came out of this Reformation. They all include the word alone, because there was a Latin phrase that used the word alone in it to describe them. We looked at Scripture alone last week, and today we look at faith alone. And I guess I would like to remind us that if we're going to truly celebrate the Reformation, then we need to continue holding to these important principles that came out of the Reformation. So as we consider faith alone, I want to try to give just a little bit of historical context so that we understand what was going on at the time of uh, the, the Reformation and why faith alone became such an important uh, theme. By the time that the 1500s arrived, uh, the Roman Catholic Church had begun to teach that salvation was something that you had to work for. And so in his early years as a monk in the Roman Catholic Church, Martin Luther worked very hard. He, he was convinced that he had to earn God's favor, that he had to earn his way into heaven. And so it's kind of an interesting story, but he ended up being a monk in the Roman Catholic Church, and he worked hard because he thought that that's how he would get into heaven. But that didn't save him. The harder he worked, the less peace he had in his heart and in his soul. He continued to have a guilty conscience, and he worked and worked and worked, and he did not come to the truth that salvation is by faith alone for quite some time. But eventually, through the study of the Scriptures, he came to know the truth, that we are not saved by the works of the law, but rather we are saved simply and only through faith in Jesus Christ. And so in this Reformation time period, that became a very important theme. Faith alone. We're saved simply and only through faith in Christ and not by works of the law. And so Martin Luther and many others uh, emphasized during this time period that we need to get back on track. We need to get back to the Scriptures alone. And we need to get back to faith alone as the Scriptures clearly declare. We're turning today to Romans chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 21 through the end of the chapter, verse 31, and a passage that very clearly teaches faith alone. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there and follow along as I read. This is the Apostle Paul writing uh, to the church in Rome. Now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God publicly displayed as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law? 
Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, is one. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Let's pray together before we continue. Lord, we're thankful that you've given us the Bible. Thank you for this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote that has been preserved for us. Thank you for the clear instruction that we find in it. That we are saved through faith and not by the works of the law. Lord, as we look at this passage more closely this morning, please help us to come to a good understanding of it. And help us, Lord, to rejoice in the salvation that you provide freely to those who believe in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that he has done all that is necessary for our salvation. And so help us to be able to rejoice in that today and to continue in this Reformation principle of faith alone. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage before us from Romans 3 um, contains, in, on, on one hand, some pretty straightforward, simple principles. On the other hand, there are some, um, pretty, some, some, some more deep things in here that the Apostle Paul has to state. But as we consider this passage today and the time that we have, we're going to notice two very straightforward principles that Paul explains for us as he wrote this letter. And the first one is very simply that we desperately need salvation. And as we look at this passage again, we're going to notice uh, several different ways that Paul describes our need of salvation. As we look at verses 21 and 22, Paul is speaking about the righteousness of God. And Paul is implying to us that we lack this righteousness, that it's something that we need. And it's another way to describe simply how we desperately need salvation. In other words, we are not righteous. We lack the righteousness of God. God cannot look down upon us and declare us to be righteous in his sight because we aren't. If he looks down upon us and he sees our actions, he sees the thoughts and motivations of our heart, he sees that we are not righteous. We lack the righteousness of God. Of course, we're born that way, aren't we? Even cute little babies like those that have been born recently, they are born with a sinful nature within them. They have a natural ability to do that which is dis, uh, uh, disobedient in the sight of God. You don't have to teach them how to sin because that's within them from birth. And, and so as they come into this world, they come into this world sinful by nature. And of course, if we're going to be honest, we all would have to acknowledge that we have disobeyed God. We lack the righteousness of God. If you look at verse 23, Paul says, and, and we all probably know this verse by heart, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul is telling us that we don't live up to God's standard of perfect holiness. We come short of it. We come short of, his, of that glorious holiness that God himself provides as the standard for us to live by. We don't live up to it. We come up short. And I know you've heard me use this illustration before. We kind of did a similar thing with the children this morning for their children's message. But a good way to illustrate our coming up short of God's perfect standard of holiness 
is, is trying to picture jumping across a river that is far too wide for anyone to ever jump across. If we went down to Des Moines and tried to jump across the river there, it doesn't matter how good of an athlete you are, you would come up short. And that's a good way to illustrate how things are for us spiritually. There is a standard, and we all come up short. And if you think about trying to jump across the river down in Des Moines, we'd, we'd have to come to a, an acknowledgement that whether we made it one foot across or 15 feet, we all come up short. And that illustrates our, our situation before God. Through His law, God has revealed to us His perfect standard of holiness. And the law tells us, do this or else. And since we don't do it, we fall short, we are told that we are deserving of God's punishment. The law of God tells us that we desperately need salvation. I want you to look at verse 31 with me. Notice that Paul says, he asked the question, and since he's got this teaching that he's laid out for them, we're saved by faith and not by works of the law, the question then is, do we then nullify the law through faith? And Paul says in the strongest possible way, may it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. And so thinking about that verse, go now to verse 20. And this is the verse before we started reading this morning. But Paul says again, by the works of the law... No flesh will be justified in God's sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And so we don't nullify the law. We're not saying that the law is no good. What we need to understand is that God's law is good and perfect and holy. It gives us the standard by which we are measured, and we come up short. And so the law serves the purpose of revealing to us just how desperately we need God's forgiveness, just how desperately we need salvation. It won't be long before in our confirmation class we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments. And while we are, we, it should be our desire to live these out as best as we can, a study of the Ten Commandments should not give you comfort. Because a study of the Ten Commandments just reveals how desperately short you fall of maintaining the standard that God calls us to maintain. We can't even keep the first commandment perfectly. We don't love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. We don't fear and love and trust in God above all things. We can't even keep the first commandment, let alone the rest of them. And so while it should be our desire to follow those commandments... The law of God, whether we're talking about the Ten Commandments or, or other laws that God has given to us, it reveals to us just how desperately we need salvation. And it reveals to us then what a hopeless thing it is to attempt to earn our way into heaven by being a good enough person. It doesn't work that way. It's impossible. And you probably know as well as I do that many, many people live with this kind of an idea. That if you live good enough, if you try your best, God will let you into heaven. Do you know how many people are going to be disappointed in the worst kind of a way when they stand before God and realize they were wrong? They thought they were good enough. They tried their best. They tried to live by the golden rule. And they thought that that would be good enough. 
They're going to stand before God and hear that it wasn't. It's not the way it works. We desperately need salvation, and the law of God reveals to us just how desperately we need it. But as we look at this passage, we also see Paul describing very simply, and secondly, that we are saved through faith. And he emphasizes that over and over again throughout this book and in his other writings, but but even in this passage here, over and over again, we see this emphasis on being saved through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by doing good works. We're saved through faith and faith alone in Jesus. If you turn to Romans chapter 1, you can see how right away in this, in this letter to the church in Rome that Paul emphasized salvation through faith. Verse 16 of chapter 1, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it doesn't matter. Jew or Gentile saved the same way through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in Galatians 2 verse 16, A man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. And we looked at Galatians chapter 3 for our scripture reading today. And we noticed the same kind of emphasis with a focus on Abraham and how Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham was saved through faith just as we are today. And many of you know Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 by heart. And you could probably recite it with me. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The scripture is so clear that we are not saved by doing good works, but we are saved simply and only through faith in Jesus Christ. Now as we talk about faith in Christ, I just want to emphasize to you today that we are not talking about this generic I believe in God kind of a thing. There's a lot of people who if you ask them, do you believe in God? They'd say, yes. Tell me what you believe about God. And then they struggle. Okay? We are talking about a personal trust in Jesus and what he has done to save you. That's what we're talking about. A personal trust in Christ as your Savior, as the only one in whom you can have forgiveness for your sins. A personal trust That's what we're talking about when we talk about faith in Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 24 with me. Then I want to compare it to verse 28. There's a word that we find in both of these verses that we need to understand. And it's the word justify. That was an important uh, biblical word that was really emphasized in the Reformation period as they re-emphasized these truths that were saved by grace through faith in Christ. Verse 24, after telling us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Paul tells us that we are justified as a gift. A gift is not something you have earned, is it? And notice then in verse 28, he says we are justified by faith apart from works. Now that word justified is very important. It means to be declared righteous by God in his sight. And so what Paul is telling us is that we are declared righteous by God in his sight, first of all, verse 24, as a gift. 
by His grace. And so salvation is something that we are given, not something that we can earn. We can only be declared righteous by God if He gives to us the righteousness that we need. And then in verse 28, it says we are justified by faith. We are declared righteous in God's sight through faith in Jesus the Savior. And so that that word justification was a central theme of the Reformation as they focused on salvation being by grace through faith in Christ. There's an easy way to think about this word, justification and justified. It's kind of a big word. We don't use it a lot. But if you think about it this way, that through faith in Jesus Christ, God looks upon me just as if I had never sinned. That's the idea. God looks upon me through faith in Jesus Christ just as if I had never sinned. That's justification. Just as if I had never sinned. And this wonderful standing before God is something that we receive as a gift through faith in Jesus. When Martin Luther finally understood this, he describes how it was almost like a light bulb was turned on in his head, and all of a sudden it became clear. And it was, he, ta- he, he writes about that. It was the most wonderful experience for him to finally come to the point where he knew the truth, that salvation was a gift received through faith and not something that he had to earn. And next week we're going to continue on kind of a similar theme as we focus on grace alone. And unless I forget between now and next week, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you some of the things that Martin Luther did trying to earn God's favor. But whether it's those things or other things, the truth is that we are not saved by being a good person. We're not saved by earning our way into heaven. We are not saved by the works of the law. Rather, we are saved through believing in Jesus, trusting in what He has done for us that he came and lived a perfect life, the kind of life that we could not live. That when he died on the cross, he was our substitute, paying the price for our sins. That he rose again from the dead in victory. We trust in him and what he has done rather than what we could try to do and offer to God. It doesn't work that way. We're saved through faith alone in Christ. Now, perhaps you're thinking today, I didn't learn anything new from this message today. I hope that you could all raise your hand and say that, honestly. If you, if you could honestly say to me, Pastor, I didn't learn anything new from your message today, I would say, good, I'm glad, because that means that you've heard these most important truths before. Of course, then the question is, Do you believe? Maybe today you're thinking, you know, a lot of what you said today was new to me. Never heard this before. Well, then I'd like to say to you, good. I'm glad that God gave you this opportunity to hear from his word these most important truths. Then the question is, do you now believe? We are saved through faith alone, 
and not by the works of the law. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful that the way of salvation is so clearly laid out for us in Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the love that you have shown for us sinful human beings, undeserving as we are. Thank you for sending your Son to be our Savior. And I pray, Lord, that for each one here today, for those who would listen to this message later on, that it would be made clear to us that we cannot do anything to save ourselves, but that we can only be saved through a personal trust in Jesus, relying upon what he has done for us. And so, Lord, we're thankful that that's the way that it works. Because if it wasn't this way, we would be in a hopeless position. Because we could never be good enough. We would all come up short. But thank you, Lord, that we are declared righteous in your sight through faith in Jesus. That through trusting in him, you look upon us just as if we had never sinned. And so, Lord, you are the one who is worthy of the glory today. We boast in you and in what Christ has done for us and not in ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.